Yo, we are live. The two three podcast is live for the first time. Cam, how are we feeling? Man, I'm I'm pretty hyped about this. This is this is pretty nice. We've been fiddling around with with technology for it feels like a, a pretty long time, even though it's probably been what like 20 minutes, half an hour. But no, man, it feels really good. I'm I'm really glad that we're able to do this and kind of bring a new element to the two, three podcast talking, uh, talking some Syracuse basketball, trying to keep it very, you know, chill and mellow. But if you have any sort of comments or questions or whatever, leave them in the comment section and, uh, we'll, we'll make sure that we get to them. Yeah. We're alive to be here with you guys. So like Kim said, if you want to say hello, say hi, if you will have a comment, feel free to do so. So Zach, we're, uh, we're sitting kind of pretty right now, seven and three. And after a pretty convincing win against Georgetown, 80 to 68, I, I like to think, and it's been kind of a long time coming, feels like at least, but this Georgetown game really gave everybody something to to talk about and to feel really good about. Not only was it Georgetown, but man, some some of our, our guys like really, really balled out this game, especially Judah. Judah just doing Judah things, but... Finally, it seems like we really have something that we can lock down and be like, all right, this was probably the best game that we've had all year long. Yeah, I love, I particularly love what we saw from from JJ. He shot the lights out, three for three from the line. It was the first game we saw from him where he felt super active and just contributed that much offensively. After having a few games where we kind of struggled, another guy we got to mention right off the bat here is Q. Yeah. Dude, that put back donkey had insane. (laughs) It was nasty. I was actually, uh, I was, I was eating a sandwich at, uh, Ithaca bakery when that was happening. Shout out. And I got out of my seat, man. It was just the, the energy that Q brings is we've seen over the past couple of years, especially a lot of guys have high energy. We've seen Cy, We've seen Tyus at times have really high energy, but you haven't seen anybody bring it all the time like Q does. And that is his his best trait is that he brings so much energy to this team when otherwise maybe we're kind of mellow. Maybe there's not too much enthusiasm, but Q does this thing where he is just so good at bringing the energy if he's on or off the court, but man, that put back slam too. Holy cow. That was, that was incredible. Him doing that. Yeah. He, he was incredible. Another guy too. We haven't seen him in a long time. Our guy, Munu Hima. Moo. Yeah. It was Moo time, Moo. dude. Stepped dude, up Moo, big time. It felt, it felt pretty good for, for me to see Moo. I be honest with me, man. Do you think he's in the doghouse deep right now? Moo? Yeah. I just don't know what's going on. Like, they haven't been very transparent on why he hasn't been playing. I mean, the one other game recently that we saw him, he didn't do anything great. So, it's like, okay, like, you kind of just, like, cool, I guess. But this game in particular, he looked fantastic in limited minutes. Especially when Naheem struggled. I mean, Naheem played four minutes against, against Georgetown. Yeah, that was surprising. I feel like we knew that we were going to be getting some good from Naheem. We're going to get 
seven four, and that's huge, especially in the ACC. But to be honest, I feel like I'm we're kind of lacking a little bit in the Naheem category. I'm not going to say that we have a Naheem problem. I know that we said that a couple of times uh, this season, but I feel like there's just it's it can't be a problem when I don't really know what the issue is. I don't know why he's getting four minutes. It could be that throwing Malik in there has worked out so well to this point, which I'll be completely honest with you. I really didn't think it was going to work out as well as it has. And Malik has been sensational. So I feel like it's really more of a Malik is playing better right now than Naheem is contributing, if that makes sense. And then just to have that other element of Moo coming in off the bench. And like you said, in only nine minutes, he scored four points, but it was a really big four points and three huge rebounds. I don't know where Naheem stands right now on the depth chart after all this, but I can't imagine that it's too high. And it's it, it surprises me where where he's at right now. Yeah, I think the key there is Malik is a more positive, even though we do have a size disadvantage with him out on the court. He's a more positive, even with that, than what Naheem is able to provide for us at this current point in time. So when you when you chalk it up like that, it's an obvious go to Malik. It's, it's unfortunate that Naheem. I mean, we've seen some good flashes, and obviously being seven four, he's he's blocked some shots this year, and he's gonna do some more. But I think his main thing, his lame, his main limiting factor is this, he's just a little, he's just slow. And when we're playing, man, you know, three four years ago when we were still playing zone, he would be a beautiful beautiful anchor to the zone. He yeah. doesn't have to move around that much. I mean, he might struggle with, you know, that corner three. But other than that, just stay in the paint, protect the rim, and he could rock that. But whenever he has to move, particularly on screens, anytime they switch the guard, either has a straight shot to the basket or a three-point shot, he's just, he's just too slow out there. Yeah, and so Emily asked a pretty good question. How does uh, Naheem stack up against past centers? It's kind of difficult to gauge that because, you know, it's – if you take the good that Naheem has provided, I feel like he could he could be up there, especially he he is such a good threat if he's used properly or if he's if he's quick enough, really, is the big issue right now. But to compare him to anybody like, you know, Jesse or or Tyler Lydon, it's just it's not fair to do that. And I hope it's early it's too. Su- Let's give him a little Wiggle room. It, it is early. Only 10 games in. Yeah. Yes, it, it is. But I mean, I don't know. First year of the program. You look, if you look at like when Jesse came in, Jesse had a lot of building to do. Mm-hmm. And I feel like Naheem is in, he, he's not as, I have not seen as many good flashes from Naheem as I have from Jesse when he was still developing. Does that make sense? Like, I, I don't know about you, but I just really haven't seen that from him. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, it's tough because Naheem has been forced into the starting position, which is good for him, but bad for his situation needing development. But Jesse never had to go through that. Frank Anselm, when Jesse went down two years ago, had to be thrusted into the starting position and struggled mightily. So when when you're not ready yet and and you have to start, you have to perform immediately, it's just tough to to, to do it. It's, It's a tough job. Yeah, I that is a good comparison. I think that 
I totally forgot about that. When Frank came in, he was kind of not ready. We've even seen that with Moo uh, over the past, what, year or so, that he'd be thrusted into the role when, you know, Jesse was down or or what have you. And even he struggled. So, like you said, it's a new program. It's We're 10 games in. But there's just so much that I thought Naheem was going to bring. It's not like he's a freshman and and trying to adjust to the college speed. It's more like, you know, he's coming from Florida State. I assume that he was going to be coming with a little bit more speed, a little bit more development than I have seen so far. I just worry for him. Muni- or, I'm sorry, Malik has played so well that I don't think that you can really say that Naheem's starting role is like locked in right now. I get that he's 7'4", but you got to give it to Malik, man. He's been outstanding and so much better than I thought he was going to be at this point in time. And then, again, having Moo come in and provide that energy off the bench, I think just spells trouble for for Naheem right now. Yeah, I mean, you talk about the the lineup. I mean, we've kind of, we the lineup conversations have never have always been a part of Syracuse. It seems like last year's with Chris, and again, should Malik start for Chris? And ultimately, like I think the thing is, it doesn't matter because the time play ultimately is what matters. And Georgetown, he only played four minutes, so yeah, he starts the game, but only getting four minutes. Like no one would would you rather. Not start the game and get 27 minutes or start the game and get four. That's pretty pretty simple decision. Yeah, that is that is very true. Um I just I I think I think right now, you know, Malik has provided enough energy where I don't think that we're in as bad of a situation as we could be in. And I think that he's done a great job of just covering our our rears and and making sure that we're not in a really sticky, sticky situation because come ACC play, I mean, against Oregon, we're going to be facing some really tough competition there. I can't imagine that he's going to be having it easy down there, Malik is. So, you know, I, I keep thinking to myself, when it comes to these better teams, he's going to be tested more and more and more, but he's been great. He's been putting up great numbers against everybody that has been thrown at him. And, you know, I, I think that that's just kind of another element to the Swiss Army knife that we have, which man, Coach Autry has a good right now. He's got a lot of good play coming from the bench. And I feel like you really want that as a head coach. You want that energy to come from the bench. Obviously, you got Q coming off the bench, providing great minutes. Um, you got Benny, who's, he had a, an okay game, I guess. But really, the the headliner in this lineup, man, has been Judah. He's been fantastic, 25 points against Georgetown. I, dude, I knew that he was going to be transforming into a fantastic player this year, but I feel like for me, it's really started kind of quicker, quicker than I thought it was going to. I don't know about you, but he's just been sensational. No, I mean, he's made a huge step after having a great freshman year. He somehow even stepped it up early so far this season. You know, we're only 10 games in the season. He's averaging 20 points. He's more or less carrying this team and yeah, he's been, he's been, he's really elevated his game this year and it's, it's been super impressive. So I've seen the conversation pop up after this Georgetown game. Judas play is electric. It's fantastic. But I want to ask you right now, 
where he stands, not in the future, but right now, is Judah NBA ready in your eyes? Um, I mean, I don't think it matters right now. I think that's a go. It's because he he's he he's he's where he needs to be. You know, his three point shot percentage is up. He he's his average is up. But I think most importantly, he needs to keep this up. And I also think the success of what this team does is a huge impact on what his stock will be at the end of the year. So if this team can do well, if he continue, I think no matter what happens to this team, he's going to finish the year with great numbers. He's going to look great, and you know, probably go go, probably go somewhere in the draft, maybe second round. But if we have a good team that has success. That changes everything. That's a good point. I think to, I mean, I don't know about you, but I have still seen that he's struggling on defense. I've still seen that people are kind of not picking on him, but especially when it comes to man to man, the great thing about zone is that you can kind of hide your worst defenders and they kind of get buried a little bit. But I still think that he's getting kind of exposed a little bit um, over the past couple of games, especially as we face tougher competition. But his defense just isn't really there. And as great as he is offensively, I worry that that wouldn't translate very well to the next level. Yeah, especially when he, he he's so eager. This is something we've talked about before, but he's so, so eager to stick his hand in the cookie jar. Yeah. Overcommit on defense. And when he does that, you know, we already have, we have enough dis- defensive struggles as it is. Whenever he does that, it's five and four immediately. And that's never good for a defense. Yeah. I mean, he has had five steals, so I guess it is kind of working, you know, sticking your hand in the cookie jar against uh, Georgetown. But, you know, he he's gotten beat quite a few times and he's not a liability by any means. He really isn't. But you worry that when pro scouts are looking at him, when they're looking at his game, that's going to be the number one flaw. It got picked apart against Virginia, too. We had said if anybody's going to be able to stop Judah Mintz, it's going to be Virginia. And you know what Virginia did? They stopped Judah Mintz. They're just such a great team. Uh, You know, reading the note sheet, seeing where the strengths are, shutting them down. And I was really worried about that. And that's exactly what they did. So when it comes to teams like that, you know, I feel like he's just going to get exposed time and time again. And that's just not going to really translate well to the next level. Right, and this is also a conversation we've had in the past, but his size does play a little factor with the NBA. And just more yeah. so than that, though, is his style of play, his need to have the ball. Like, he needs the ball in the hand. Like, he, he he's always driving. Like, what NBA team needs a guy to do that much and have the ball that much? That's the thing is, like, where does he fit? Interestingly, though, enough, I don't know if you saw this, but our guy... Eric Devendorf recently on his show talked about another guy on this team who he sees even potentially more NBA potential. That guy, Chris Bell. What's your thought on that? If you told me that we would be talking about Chris Bell's NBA potential within the the first 10 games of the year, I would be saying that you're on one because I, I did not expect that. But he he did not get highlighted enough in our uh our as soon as we stopped airing or recording that episode, you and I both said, "Man, we really did not touch on Chris, and yeah. we really should have because he was 
fantastic. He's been fantastic this entire year. He only had five points against Georgetown, but even before that, he he's been able to play his role. And I think that that was the biggest issue last year was he didn't know where he fit in the system. And to be honest, I don't even really know if, if Jim really knew where he fit in the system, but he's been able to insert himself and be, be so electric where I, I really don't know if we're winning many of these games without him. He had 19 against Cornell. He had 20 against LSU. He's been so fantastic when we need him the most. And I can't sing enough praises about him. He's been my number one guy where I look to with, you know, he, he's been the guy that's been shocking me the most this year. So to answer your question, I don't know how I feel about that NBA, you know, talent or get him getting the, you know, is he ready for the NBA? Because it just, it, it's taking me by surprise how good he's been this year. Yeah. And think of it from this perspective too, just strictly from he's a forward, right? Six, seven forward. If you look at Syracuse's success with forwards in the NBA, obviously you start with Mello. Yeah. Now you have Jeremy Grant. You got Cole Swider. I know Buddy's not a not not a forward, but you know a, a big guard. So it's kind of like he kind of has the perfect archetype of a successful guy, like a three and D guy. I do think he needs to work on his defense, but we've seen him have some good defensive outings so far this year. So I don't know it, that that intrigue is actually pretty big on me. I think Chris Bell, just in terms of size, talent, and role that he could provide to the NBA is is really, really valid. Does it shock you that you're talking about this right now, about Chris Bell being NBA, possibly NBA ready or having the physique of an NBA player? Yeah, I mean, when I initially saw that clip from Devo, I was like, what? And then he kind of broke it down. I was like, actually, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Because it, it, it goes right back to your conversation around Judah and his role. Like, his role is so tough for an NBA team, unless, like, he's a, t- a lottery pick. Like, what NBA team wants a first-year guy doing that much? You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. And I do. I want to throw JT in this, too, because I feel like he's been playing really well, too, and he hasn't been getting enough praise, at least from us. But... um when you look at the stereotypical uh, starting five for Q's team, you don't necessarily think about two forwards being your deep threat. And I feel like having Chris and JT in there has added almost another element to this offense that I haven't... When was the last time that we've seen two forwards be able to shoot so well in a Q's uniform in the starting lineup together. I really don't off the top of my head. I don't really remember there being that. I mean, obviously with the Bayheims on, like you said, buddy was not a pure forward, but I'm talking like having two guys of size in the lineup that are able to shoot. I really can't think of any off the top of my head. Yeah. I mean, the only guys I can think of is like Andrew White, you know, Chris Wider, obviously, so there's been a few, but it, JT and Chris Bell, they're they're quite the dynamic. And it's not really like a, 
a combination that I really saw coming. I really thought that Benny was going to take the starting role this year, and I'm assuming that that's probably what the um, idea was going to be in the preseason. But JT has done well enough that I think he deserves that spot. And also, Benny's been struggling mightily to even get on the floor. So it's almost like a combination that I really didn't see coming. And, you know, for... For an offense that has some trouble getting the ball going, getting the ball going in the hoop, I think that it does worry me that we're almost like live by the three, die by the three. Because we still do have that issue of, okay, if Judah's not really doing well and JJ's not really doing well, then what do we do? Because we don't have that center threat like we did with Jesse. I guess we can start shooting with Chris and JT and that'll be pretty good. But I still feel like there's that element that we're kind of like lacking on offense, but even so it's, it's still in a much better spot than honestly, I thought it was going to be at this point. Yeah. Something interesting you touch on there, which I think deserves more discussion is the plan going this year was Benny being, you know, the go-to guy. Yeah. Also the plan was having chance of restry. Obviously, he's on yeah. injury. We're, he is on track to come back or start practicing again in January. But just how much the the plan, the coach's plan, how much Red's plan has changed? Just ten games in the season, like I don't know. I feel like that needs to be talked about more. Like Benny and Chance, all these things in Benny's situation is ongoing and ever changing, and Red has to deal with that. Yeah, even though he has all of these weapons that he can, you know, lean to on the bench, you didn't think that Benny was going to be on the bench. You didn't really think that Chance wasn't going to be playing at all this year. Benny's played in six games this year. He, we obviously played, he's missed four. So to me, he's been the biggest shock, I think, to the entire fan base because he hasn't seen the floor at all. I don't know what's going on with the whole Benny situation. I kind of wish that the program had been opening up a little bit more about it. But to me, I worry the most for Benny and for just mentally. Like, I, I hope that he's able to, you know, bounce back from this. Again, we don't know what's going on with him, but I just hope that whatever it is, at some point this year, he can get it going because we, I feel like we say that time and time and time and time again, is he going to get it going? You know, when's he going to start going? And it's just, it's not happening. And I feel like that's the biggest issue right now with this team. Yeah. It's a bummer and you hate to be critical or to speculate too much because there's a situation that we don't know literally anything about other than the very limited that Red and this coaching staff has given us. But it's it's honestly Dutch. It's tough to have much to say other than you know. Hopefully things get figured out behind the scenes. You know, Benny's been someone that we have in this in this program in this community has been behind and tried to cheer for, and we've been hoping that you know this was going to be his year. Maybe there's still time. Hopefully something can happen, but it's it's kind of out of our hands and. Hopefully, hopefully something good happens out of it, though. And I, I do, I haven't seen this. I don't want to ask you this. I'm going to ask it to you anyways because I feel well, like it. That's does. a good, good way to phrase the question. 
<laughs> I'm a pro. What can I say? Anyways, I think that it's fair to ask this, even though I don't want to. I think I know where this is going. Do you think that Benny should so, maybe look to going to another program? Well, this is we don't understand what is happening. Is it the program? I mean, Red is like his guy. Red is yeah, honestly, you know, the guy that recruited him, the guy who all more than likely was the reason he stayed for the, his junior year. Yeah. So it just, we don't really know what's happening. Sometimes maybe a fresh start, a new page, you know, no history could be good for a player. I don't know. It's, it's a tough thing to truly, I mean, I want what's best for Benny. And if that's mm-hmm. somewhere else, if that's in Syracuse, great. But I want what's best for him in his life and his career. And whatever that is, then. I'm happy with that. Because you look at it from his point of view. You go from being a five-star recruit that everybody's hyped about. Understandably so. Goes to starting. Then not starting. Then kind of starting. And then we fall to this year. Okay, he's team captain. Everybody in the preseason is talking really highly of him. The coaches are talking really highly of him. The article's coming out saying that, you know, he coming from him himself saying that he's ready to go that he's ready to take on all this responsibility. And then he gets suspended. And then there's this kind of like ongoing thing where Red doesn't really want to talk about it. He just says no comment whenever it's brought up, which I'm not a big fan of. You and I talked about this at length uh, (laughs) the other night, but I really genuinely don't like that when the coach, the coaching staff is like very hush hush about it. I get it. I get why you're doing it, but it's very annoying. And also it can't be great for Benny's confidence just from, and again, we'll say this time and time again, we don't know what the situation is. I don't know what the situation is. You don't know what the situation is, but coming from a player who's in the doghouse, clearly in the doghouse. It can't feel good when you're brought up in a press conference and your coach just says, no comment. I don't want to talk about it and just completely gets away from it. So clearly there's something very wrong happening. And I worry that the coaching staff is getting, they're just over it. They don't want to try this experiment anymore. It is promising that he got 11 minutes against Georgetown, but to go from 11 minutes to back in the starting role, that's a that's a big hill that he has to climb. Yeah, I mean, maybe Benny is communicating with Red in the coaching staff and knows that he's not going to play and knows that this situation is very delicate and Red is doing him a solid by keeping it so private. We don't know. Obviously, at this point, it would be nice to have at least a bone, something, yeah. some, something so we understand a little bit you know, a lot of people love this team. A lot, a lot of people love to follow this team. And not that we deserve anything from the, from what, what's happening within the team, but at least a bone of some degree. You know, Jim for sure would have said something. It meant, might not, it probably wouldn't be nice, but he would have at least <laughs> yeah. said something. Yeah, that is true. I, got, I do. We, yeah, go ahead. 
I was just going to say, we have, we have a comment from Emily. She said, looking at the team di- dynamic, who do you think are the major team leaders, especially since Benny was meant to be co-captain? Emily with the good questions. Um, I would say, as far as leadership is concerned, I think that a lot of players have been turning to, to Judah. And you bring up a really good point, Emily, that Benny was supposed to be that guy. He was supposed to be one of the more senior level people on these on this team, a pretty young team at that. And he, as we talked about, has not provided that at all because he hasn't even seen the floor. Now, maybe he's providing that in practice. I doubt it, but it could be that he is a very good practice player. Uh, so maybe he's providing that element. I don't know, but as far as guys on the floor that we are seeing, it's got to be Judah because this is, as everybody says, his team, which to be completely honest with you, I kind of agree with now. I would say the other person too, that is at least leading from the bench is, is Q. When we went to um, Monroe madness, every player was around him. He, he just had that gravitational pull. He just, he had everybody around him. Everybody wanted to talk to him. And when he was hyped, everybody else was hyped. I don't know if he's necessarily the leader that everybody's turning to when they're down, but he's putting himself in a pretty damn good position. And again, I can't sing his praises enough, but just to do that and to have that effect that at least we can see, you know, from the seats, I think is really, really special. and makes him such a special player. Yeah, you can't undervalue his what his energy brings to this team, what his positive, supportive energy brings. That is super, super valuable. And I think you can't undervalue that when you look at his game as a whole. I know there's times where he struggles with turnovers and you know doing a little too much. But I really don't think you can overlook that because it's a huge asset, especially on this team. You know, a lot of these guys are very emotional. Judah Chris Bell, you know, he's he's all up in his his head sometimes if he's not shooting the ball well. And you need a guy like Q to bring everyone's spirits up when times are tough. And Q has been doing that for us. So looking at this team overall, like we said, we've been through 10 games, seven and three. What are our glaring weaknesses right now that you see at least? I still think defense is a major concern. I do think the outing against Georgetown was was a really good step in that direction. We really locked them down. We really were aggressive and poised and relatively disciplined throughout that game. But in general, that's still something we need to work on. We, I mean, it's still like new. It's obviously these guys have played man-to-man in their lives, but it's still very new to the program of Syracuse. So... It'll take some time to really find our identity, find what Red wants. The the switching at times can be really messy and like almost yeah. they they help too much. And it's like just stand your guy. Like we 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 help too much and bail guys out too much to where it hurts us. So I think defense is my my major thing. And then we already talked about it earlier too. But when you when when something is struggling on offense, whether that's driving to the lane or three point shot, like how does the other side respond to that? Yeah. I do want to ask, uh, are you missing the 2-3? Not just because we're the 2-3 podcast, but are you missing the 2-3 defense playing that the majority of the way? 
I mean, just from like an spectacle point of view, it is a little different. I mean, I'm pretty much used to it now, not seeing them lined up in the two three. But I mean, it's still. I mean, I, I, man to man, I think has been a little bit better this 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 year so far. It's still developing. Obviously, if it was way better, it'd be a clear like, let's stay here forever. There have been times where zone hasn't helped us at all, and like it's easily been beaten. There's also been times where it's helped us. But I like the little splashes we see here and there. And ultimately, I'm I'm on red side. I'm happy what he's doing. Man to man is uh, good with me. Well, given the like team personnel that's out there, do you think that the man to man just makes more sense for? who's out on the floor and you know, how this, how this team is built. Yes. Other than our comment earlier about Naheem, Naheem is the one person yeah. who like truly is a disadvantage for, to playing man. Yeah. And I do think, you know, it would have been, it would be nice to see a Louisville style defense where we can kind of switch mid play. We're not there yet. There's no way we're there yet, but maybe one day down the line, we could eventually see that, but I just don't think that we're athletic enough and quick enough. And we haven't been practicing enough, practicing that style enough to really do that, but I would love to see it. And I agree with you. I think that that has been the biggest issue. I do think too, we can't ignore that there is an issue offensively when we aren't shooting the ball well when when Judah is not playing well we don't ha- we don't have that guy that tertiary guy that we can turn to and be it's like not okay silly guy it's just a set play yeah. that we we run to make a guy get an easy bucket yeah there's nothing there's nothing yeah. right now and i think that that's one of the biggest issues at least offensively is there just is nothing there there's no play there's no there's nothing to kill the momentum for the other team. Uh, we saw that against Cornell. Cornell was kind of on a hot streak and they were shooting pretty well and we just couldn't really stop them. And, you know, even Jim had mentioned that there's just, there's, there's like nothing, there's no like play to go to, to kind of stop all that. And I think that that's kind of the biggest thing, at least that we're missing offensively. Yeah, I know that's a fair point. Also looking though at this first 10 games, Five and zero at five. Five and zero at home. That's a pretty good feat. Obviously, nothing crazy, but Colgate. We finally beat them. Like, and just overall in our ten game schedule here, we haven't lost to anyone who we shouldn't have, and we've beaten everyone we should have. Which, you know, obviously we wish we could have gotten a few more. But I know it's like you know pretty low standard, but at least we're doing that. Yeah, I mean, when we were previewing the the schedule at the beginning of the year, we we knew that there was going to be a really tough couple of games in Maui, and and Maui was was really bad against Gonzaga and Tennessee. Chaminade was kind of a different story. It was nice to actually get out of there with a win, but I was really, really, still am impressed by that LSU win. And listen, Virginia is is Virginia. We kind of knew going into it. I, I had high, I always have high hopes. We always have high hopes here, the two, three, but it was going to be tough sledding and it was no, no surprises. Nothing has really come as a surprise except for 
just what schemes are working and what schemes aren't working. But as far as like playing the teams is concerned, nothing's really jumped out at me as a surprise. The Cornell game I thought was going to really go in the wrong direction. I'm I'm glad that we were able to write the ship. And that is the one thing that I will give uh, the team major credit for in that Cornell game. No matter what the score was, they kept fighting, they kept clawing, they kept trying to get back into it, trying to get back into it. And then finally, towards the end of the game, we started to get some momentum, started to get it going. And I think that that's probably the best thing that you can take away from that game is even though the sledding gets tough, you still try to, you know, get the momentum going, get something going. And uh, yeah, I thought that that was a great win, but you know, looking forward, it does not get any better. Oregon is next. That's going to be a really tough opponent. And then you got Niagara and then you jump right into ACC play. So I think that there are still a lot of holes that we need to patch, but I'm, I'm feeling pretty confident in this team right now. And I think a lot more than I may have thought in the beginning of the year. Yeah, no, we're, we're building momentum. We have that Georgetown win. It felt good. You know, it's still, obviously the rivalry is different, but still feels good to beat, 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 beat the, the Hoyas. And we're going to Oregon, which a lot of people are, are picking as like one of the most important games because it really sets its tone before ACC play starts. If we can go into ACC 9-2. and two, It's going to feel good. That's going to feel so, real good. So good. I, uh, I, I was hoping that we were going to get to that Niagara game, but it moved to five. I, I, I was pretty upset about that. But uh, still, we're going to get there, Zach. We're going to get there to see Cuse in the Dome. And uh, I, I can tell you right now, we will not be going to South Dakota to go check out their game against Oregon. I still don't fully understand why they're going to South Dakota. I think it's because just that area doesn't have any major schools. So I think that they just try to bring big basketball games there. But I had to do a triple take when I saw the game against Oregon is going to be in South Dakota. Uh, I maybe, hey, listen, maybe Naheem is just, you know how, how, uh, Jesse really came alive in Atlantis. Maybe, maybe Naheem comes alive in South Dakota, man. Okay. I mean, we can only hope, but it could happen. Why not? Why not? I like, it. I mean, I do like that it's neutral ground. Obviously, yeah. Q's Nation is going to show up regardless. So, neutral ground, I think that's a really good, great game for us. I do want to shift gears here and look outside of our squad, but with a familiar, some familiar faces, mm-hmm. starting with our guy who's still in orange. What is now in Clemson? JG3. Feels bad. Feels bad. Uh, seeing, listen, I we here at the two three love and respect JG3, even though we were very harsh on him at times. But it is really nice to see that he's doing so well at Clemson. You and I both didn't know what his role was going to be. I didn't know if he was going to be the kind of guy that he was going to be at Syracuse didn't know if he was going to be kind of taking a different role when he was at Clemson, but he's really embraced it. And I think that Cuse nation, listen, what, what do we have to be angry at him for? He's given us so much success. 
He was a monster in March Madness. And I I think that overall, he was just kind of a class act. In, no matter what he did, no matter if he was wrong or or right, or you know, no matter how he was playing, he still faced the media, he still faced the fans, and he still did everything the right way. And you know, you can't say enough about him. He was a fantastic player. I'm really glad to see he's doing so well at Clemson. I don't know what his role would have been, though, if he stayed here, because we kind of Chris Bell's been lighting it up like we don't we kind of don't really need him at all. No, I mean, this is a perfect example of a guy who 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 looked outward, found a new home and is thriving. He's a perfect fit for Clemson. He's averaging 15 points, 44 percent from three, which obviously early it's going to change. But that's a career high. Wow. He's never shot 44. I mean, obviously the season is over, but he's shooting 44% from three right now. Not to mention Clemson's undefeated 13th in the country. He's exactly where he wants to be. He's thriving. Like you said, it's super happy for him. What is he shooting from the line? Curious about that. I'd have to look that up. Cause that's, I mean, that is what he was known for at Q's, but the other guy that's doing pretty great is Jesse, man. Jesse, that is the guy that I am missing because his role would have been clear cut. He would have had a ton of success in this lineup. I really think that he would have been, I mean, he would have just been on another level here if he, if he stayed here. I still am kind of shocked that he transferred of all things and stuck with West Virginia after everything that happened there. But hey, man, he's making it work and... I do miss him. I miss him dearly. Could you imagine what this team would be right now if we had Jesse in this lineup? It'd be wild. It'd be so wild. I, I mean, he, like you said, he is playing really well. He's averaging 16 points, nine boards. The one unfortunate thing to, to his move is that West Virginia is not playing very well. They're four and five on the year. They have some pretty bad losses. And just doesn't seem he has, doesn't look like he has much help in the program from what happened this summer and just in general, this doesn't seem like they're going in a great direction. So while he is playing well, it's just unfortunate that he's on kind of a tough team. I mean, maybe things can turn around, but it's uh, quite the difference between him and Joe in terms of team team program that they're on. Before we wrap up, I do want to highlight one more person. He just dropped 40 minutes against LeMoyne. 13 points as well. Our guy Sai has been has been doing pretty well. And again, I, I look at all these people that have transferred out, and I wonder what their role would be if they were still with the program. And with with J, with JG3, I think it's clear cut that he he kind of didn't really need to be here anymore. And where he went made sense and it it made sense for his career and his playtime and everything. I think with Jesse, he's sorely missed. And in this lineup, he would have been fantastic. But then you got a guy like Cy. And he's one of these guys that probably would still have a role on the team. But he just needed to get more playtime, needed to go to, to Binghamton and be a leader there. And I don't know what's going to be next for him in his career. I don't know if he's going to go pro overseas, whatever. But the guy is such a class act. Again, I feel like every single episode we bring up Cy, but like that's how much of an impact he's made on this program. 
And I'm really, really happy that he's able to, I mean, he's averaging, how many minutes is he averaging? It doesn't, it's not in front of me, but um, he's still putting in 40 minute games, man. Like he's getting the playtime that he deserves despite Binghamton, maybe not being the best team in the world, but guys like that, you know, maybe they would have had a role, but just for them, they needed to get out, go to Binghamton and, and put up some huge numbers. We gotta see a game. We we, we said it before, yes. but we gotta go. Got gotta go see him. He he's uh, he's getting a lot of minutes, and it's good stuff. One other guy we gotta touch on. One more. The man, the myth, the legend, the goat, Jim Beheim. Oh, so weird seeing him. The ACC Network. He kept. Po- I I don't remember who the guy was that he was with, but he kept poking fun at the guy that he was hosting with. Yeah, yeah. And the guy funny. was like not having it at all, but. To see Jim smiling and having a good time and just being relaxed, he did say that he did miss like being on the floor and he saw so many holes in the offense that he wanted <laughs> to patch up, which I thought was just like the most Jim Beheim thing ever. I miss him. I really do. Do you wish that he was still, even nostalgia aside, do you wish that he was coaching the program right now or do you do you fully trust in Red? No, I fully trust in Red. It was, it was time. It was a mutual decision. I think this, obviously, like, it's a fun thing for him to do. It's not really about his legacy. But I do think him joining ESPN, kind of being still in the public eye, is good for his legacy. Yeah. Because people can see him again in a positive light. Where he is funny, dude. He has incredible wit. And we've seen it at times when he's in a good mood. But now he has no reason not to be in a good mood. So he, he's, he's cracking the jokes. He's smiling on TV, and that's something that we, we've kind of missed seeing in Syracuse. And I think this is really good for his legacy, and I hope uh, he has a good career in broadcasting. I was really hoping that when he did retire that he wasn't going to kind of slip away out of the public eye, never to be seen again. Obviously, Cuse would, would have him because, uh, I mean, everybody in Cuse loves, loves Jim Beheim, but I'm really glad that the ACC Network saw the huge massive potential that he has as a broadcaster and his humor is just outstanding. I would love, love to see him and Bill Walton in a room together, just chatting it up. Oh my God. That'd be the funniest thing in the world with Dick Vitale. If you really wanted to, if you wanted to throw him in there too, man, that would be the funniest thing ever. I would pay so much money to see that. Quack. Dude, Bill Walton is is he is a funny man. Yes. When it's a serious game, it's hard to focus on the game. But when we were in Maui for that last game against Shamanan and he was on the mic, a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful thing. I don't know why people don't like Bill Walton, man. He is so funny. He really <laughs> is. He's he's like Dick Vitale is funny in a in a kind of different way. With Bill, you have no idea what he's going to say next. You really don't. And that's not trying to be cute or anything, but he, he you have no idea what he's going to, he's going to bring up maybe a play that happened 20 minutes ago. Maybe he's going to bring up the fact that he's never called a Syracuse game. And then this, his partner is going to get kind of annoyed at that. He's such a legend, man. And I'm really happy that we were able to see him for, for Maui. And listen, Zach and I, when we were, when we were younger, when we were uh, living close to each other, 
even if we were living in the same apartment together, we would turn on some of the West Coast games and Bill Walton would be there. And he was just kind of one of the many reasons why we started talking about so much basketball. And uh, in a way, he was kind of a building block. He is a building block for for this podcast. It would be legendary to have him on this this podcast, man. If we can make that happen, I would be one happy man. Shout that'd be, out. That'd Shout be out to Bill Walton. <laughs> that'd be a heck of an interview, though. Holy cow. I'd, I'd have to prep. I feel like that'd be one of the interviews where you actually, like, you have to either prep your butt off for whatever he's going to say or just just wing it and whatever happens happens but you almost don't even need to say anything because he'll just he'll he'll say whatever he wants to say he'll 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 be the show you literally just have to like push record and occasionally say something and it'd be 10 out of 10 it'd be gold man i would we would chop that up that'd be perfect anyways uh sunday is the next one against oregon in south dakota ask you this every time zach who is the number one guy that you're looking to to uh make a big impact hmm i want to see q continue his hot streak i just feel like in the comments there's been a little bit of ups and downs with him harping on turnovers harping on like his little like up style play obviously he had a great game against georgetown but i just want mm-hmm. him to have a little more consistency and have another great game so i'm gonna go with Fan favorite, our favorite, Buddy Copeland. I always bring up Benny in these situations and say that I want Benny to have a big game. I'm going to lower the bar a little bit. And this is going to sound mean, but I'm doing this out of love for, for Benny. I want Benny to at least see the floor. And I want I don't care how many minutes he gets. I just want to to feel like the program has a little bit of faith in him. And you know, is at least acknowledging him and sees a a need that he has to fill. So I feel like if anything, I just want to see Benny take the floor. And when you're struggling, man, that's all you can ask for is just to see the floor, get an opportunity to actually be out there. And I hope that, I hope that he's able to run with it because man, of all the people on this team, I feel like he needs it the most. Love it. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw JT in there too. I hope JT has has a good game. I just want to just want to give him a little shout out. I hope that everybody has a good game, Zach. I hope everybody does. I hope. But... I hope you have a good game. <laughs> uh hey, our first live episode, man. Uh, I hope that we'll be doing some more of these in the future. A good little test run for us, you know, the first episode of the first live episode of the year of ever. Um, but yeah, go follow our social media pages at the two, three podcast. I think Zach, that's going to do it for us on this Wednesday evening. I think you're right. Yeah. I think nothing to do now, but sign off. All right, everybody take care and we will talk to you soon. Thanks for watching. Let's go Cuse.